Hello, and welcome to the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast. Each episode is a section from a classic, comforting Jane Austen novel with relaxing music to help you fall asleep. If you like the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast, please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. If you have comments or suggestions for the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast, please leave a review with your thoughts. There are a few ways to do this. On Spotify, leave a comment in the episode's Q&A under the question, What did you think about this episode? And on Apple Podcasts, write a review for the show. We do read every review and comment and want to make sure this podcast helps you get a good night's sleep. And finally, please follow Jane Austen Bedtime Pod on Instagram. We post about upcoming episodes, fun facts from the world of Jane Austen, and tips to help you get a good night's sleep. Again, it's Jane Austen Bedtime Pod on Instagram. Thank you for joining us this evening. Now it's time to relax. Let your body fall into a comfortable position in your bed and drift gently into a state of total relaxation with tonight's story. Emma Volume 1 Chapter 9 Part 1 Mr. Knightley might quarrel with her, but Emma could not quarrel with herself. He was so much displeased that it was longer than usual before he came to Hartfield again, and when they did meet, his grave looks showed that she was not forgiven. She was sorry, but could not repent. On the contrary, her plans and proceedings were more and more justified and endeared to her by the general appearances of the next few days. The picture, elegantly framed, came safely to hand 
soon after Mr. Elton's return, and being hung over the mantelpiece of the common sitting room, he got up to look at it and sighed out his half-sentences of admiration just as he ought. And as for Harriet's feelings, they were visibly forming themselves into as strong and steady an attachment as her youth and sort of mind admitted. Emma was soon perfectly satisfied of Mr. Martin's being no otherwise remembered than as he furnished a contrast with Mr. Elton of the utmost advantage to the latter. Her views of improving her little friend's mind by a great deal of useful reading and conversation had never yet led to more than a few first chapters, and the intention of going on tomorrow. It was much easier to chat than to study, much pleasanter to let her imagination range and work at Harriet's fortune than to be laboring to enlarge her comprehension or exercise it on sober facts. And the only literary pursuit which engaged Harriet at present, the only mental provision she was making for the evening of life, was the collecting and transcribing all the riddles of every sort that she could meet with into a thin quarto of hot-pressed paper made up by her friend and ornamented with ciphers and trophies. In this age of literature, such collections on a very grand scale are not uncommon. Miss Nash, head teacher at Mrs. Goddard's, had written out at least 300, and Harriet, who had taken the first hint of it from her, hoped, with Miss Woodhouse's help, to get a great many more. Emma assisted with her invention, memory and taste, and as Harriet wrote a very pretty hand, it was likely to be an arrangement of the first order, in form as well as quantity. Mr. Woodhouse was almost as much interested in the business as the girls, and tried very often to recollect something worth their putting in. 
so many clever riddles as there used to be when he was young. He wondered he could not remember them, but he hoped he should in time. And it always ended in Kitty, a fair but frozen maid. His good friend Perry, too, whom he had spoken to on the subject, did not at present recollect anything of the riddle kind, but he had desired Perry to be upon the watch, and as he went about so much, something, he thought, might come from that quarter. It was by no means his daughter's wish that the intellects of Highbury in general should be put under requisition. Mr. Elton was the only one whose assistance she asked. He was invited to contribute any really good enigmas, charades, or conundrums that he might recollect, and she had the pleasure of seeing him most intently at work with his recollections, and at the same time, as she could perceive, most earnestly careful that nothing ungallant, nothing that did not breathe a compliment to the sex, should pass his lips. They owed to him their two or three politest puzzles, and the joy and exultation with which at last he recalled and rather sentimentally recited that well-known charade, My first doth affliction denote, Which my second is destined to feel, And my whole is the best antidote, That affliction to soften and heal, Made her quite sorry to acknowledge That they had transcribed it some pages ago already, Why will you not write one yourself for us, Mr. Elton? said she. That is the only security for its freshness, and nothing could be easier to you. Oh no, he had never written hardly ever, anything of the kind in his life. The stupidest fellow. He was afraid, not even Miss Woodhouse. He stopped a moment. Or Miss Smith could inspire him. 
The very next day, however, produced some proof of inspiration. He called for a few moments, just to leave a piece of paper on the table, containing, as he said, a charade, which a friend of his had addressed to a young lady, the object of his admiration, but which, from his manner, Emma was immediately convinced, must be his own, must be his own. I do not offer it for Miss Smith's collection, said he. Being my friends, I have no right to expose it in any degree to the public eye. But perhaps you may not dislike looking at it. The speech was more to Emma than to Harriet, which Emma could understand. There was deep consciousness about him, and he found it easier to meet her eye than her friends. He was gone the next moment, after another moment's pause. Take it, said Emma, smiling and pushing the paper towards Harriet. It is for you. Take your own. But Harriet was in a tremor and could not touch it. And Emma, never loath to be first, was obliged to examine it herself. To Miss Charade, my first displays the wealth and pomp of kings, lords of the earth, their luxury and ease, another view of man, my second brings, behold him there, the monarch of the seas. But ah, United, what reverse we have, man's boasted power and freedom, all are flown, lord of the earth and sea, he bends a slave, and woman, 
lovely woman reigns alone. Thy ready wit, the word will soon supply. May its approval beam in that soft eye. She cast her eye over it, pondered, caught the meaning, read it through again to be quite certain, and quite mistress of the lines, and then, passing it to Harriet, sat happily smiling, and saying to herself, while Harriet was puzzling over the paper, in all the confusion of hope and dullness. Very well, Mr. Elton. Very well, indeed. I have read worse charades. Courtship. A very good hint. I give you credit for it. This is feeling your way. This is saying very plainly. Pray, Miss Smith, give me leave to pay my addresses to you. Approve my charade and my intentions in the same glance. May its approval beam in that soft eye. Harriet exactly. Soft is the very word for her eye. Of all epithets, the justice that could be given. Thy ready wit, the word will soon supply. Humph. Harriet's ready wit. All the better. A man must be very much in love indeed to describe her so. Ah, Mr. Knightley, I wish you had the benefit of this. I think this would convince you. For once in your life, you would be obliged to own yourself mistaken. An excellent charade indeed, and very much to the purpose. Things must come to a crisis soon now. She was obliged to break off from these very pleasant observations, which were otherwise of a sort to run into great length, by the eagerness of Harriet's wondering questions. What can it be, Miss Woodhouse? What can it be? I have not an idea. I cannot guess it in the least. What can it possibly be? 
Do try to find it out, Miss Woodhouse. Do help me. I never saw anything so hard. Is it Kingdom? I wonder who the friend was. And who could be the young lady? Do you think it is a good one? Can it be woman? And woman, lovely woman, reigns alone. Can it be Neptune? Behold him there, the monarch of the seas. Or a trident, or a mermaid, or a shark. Oh no, shark is only one syllable. It must be very clever, or he would not have brought it. Oh, Miss Woodhouse, do you think we shall ever find it out? Mermaids and sharks. Nonsense, my dear Harriet. What are you thinking of? Where would be the use of his bringing us a charade made by a friend upon a mermaid or a shark? Give me the paper and listen. For Miss, read Miss Smith. My first displays the wealth and pomp of kings, lords of the earth, their luxury and ease. That is court. Another view of man, my second brings. Behold him there. The monarch of the seas. That is ship, plain as it can be. Now for the cream. But ah, united, courtship, you know. What reverse we have. Man's boasted power and freedom. All are flown, Lord of the earth and sea. He bends a slave, and woman, lovely woman, reigns alone. A very proper compliment, and then follows the application, which I think, my dear Harriet. You cannot find much difficulty in comprehending. Read it in comfort to yourself. There can be no doubt of its being written for you and to you. Harriet could not long resist so delightful a persuasion. 
she read the concluding lines and was all flutter and happiness. She could not speak, but she was not wanted to speak. It was enough for her to feel. Emma spoke for her. There is so pointed and so particular a meaning in this compliment, said she, that I cannot have a doubt as to Mr. Elton's intentions. You were his object, and you will soon receive the completest proof of it. I thought it must be so. I thought I could not be so deceived, but now it is clear. The state of his mind is as clear and decided as my wishes on the subject have been ever since I knew you. Yes, Harriet, just so long have I been wanting the very circumstance to happen that has happened. I could never tell whether an attachment between you and Mr. Elton were most desirable or most natural. Its probability and its eligibility have really so equaled each other. I am very happy. I congratulate you, my dear Harriet, with all my heart. This is an attachment which a woman may well feel pride in creating. This is a connection which offers nothing but good. It will give you everything that you want, consideration, independence, a proper home. It will fix you in the center of all your real friends, close to Hartfield, and to me, and confirm our intimacy forever. This, Harriet, is an alliance which can never raise a blush in either of us.
Thank you.